Hello, Trash Crusaders. Welcome to Save Trash Cinema, the podcast where exploitation and exploration come together. It is I, your humble host, your guide through trash cinema, and your favorite dumpster boy, Cayman Darty. And on today's episode, we're delighted to bring to you a special interview with indie filmmakers Alex Austin and Keir Seward. They've had short films released through Alter and Bloody Disgusting TV. They've toured at over 50 film festivals and were included as the London segment in the critically acclaimed horror anthology film, Isolation. Well, folks, we have them here today to discuss their first ever feature-length film, Kill Your Lover. But before we dive too far in, let's do a little quick housekeeping. We'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your podcast app of choice. Don't forget you can be on the show by submitting movie recommendations or by being a guest host by emailing us at SaveTrashCinema at gmail.com or you could DM us on Twitter at SaveTrashCinema or on Instagram at SaveTrashCinema as well. Make sure to check out last week's attempt at making a musical out of the 1992 Rutger Hour Fuckfest, Split Second. We will be continuing to release minisodes, crossover episodes, and interviews just like this. So keep your eyes peeled for some exciting content coming down the pipeline. We also have a Discord server and are dishing out some behind-the-scenes looks at how STC is put together, sneak peeks at upcoming episodes, special family movie night events, as well as just a really cool community of Trash Crusaders. So come on over and join us there as well. But enough about that, let's get the show on the road. Alex Austin and Keir Seward, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Honestly, it's such a pleasure to be here. Happy like, to thank be you here. for having us on in the first place. So as we kind of discussed pre-show, you guys are both based out of London, and it is currently hot as hell out there. So how are you keeping together, especially you're about to go and shoot a film? <laughs> so <laughs> how does it... How does heat affect something like that? Just out of this is morbid curiosity in my yeah, point. I would say lots of cold towels around necks and like pretending like it's not happening. Um and like hoping that the fan doesn't overheat and kill us before we finish the film. Well, you, um but yeah, lots of lots of just sitting in the coolest room in the house, ho- hovered over a laptop. I really recommend laptop tables if people haven't already acquired them during like the lockdowns and everything. They've been like my godsend otherwise i think i'd yeah i'd have like just gnarly burn marks all over my legs well have you ever seen a film from the 60s called uh, it's a british film called the day the earth caught fire um it's basically about it's basically set in london during like when like the earth has been knocked off of its axis and is spinning towards the sun and everything just keeps getting hotter and hotter and people go crazy so it's it's kind of like that yeah you know that kind of—that's honestly what I think happened in twenty twenty or twenty sixteen when uh, Donald Trump got elected. America just started flying towards the sun as well, yeah. and we just took the world with us. It was just the gravitational pull of egos. Um, so that's what I'm one hundred percent blaming all of this on. You know, I have a—I did musical theater back in high school, oh, and cool. so yeah, it was—I uh, was a, a nerdy boy. 
Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you've got the lights and the lamps and everything, and it's like 100 degrees on stage when you're performing. So I can only imagine because a lot of the work that you guys do is very close quarters. Mm. So with lighting effects and things like that, like I can only imagine like how hot a room can get when trying to shoot a film, like just everyone's just drenched in sweat. And also it's 102 degrees there right now. So that seems quite miserable. Yeah, we're really hoping that it'll like just calm down over the next two weeks because we officially start shooting like the second week of August. Um, and we're thankfully only doing four days. So basically what we're doing is because we're indie, because we're just doing the things that we're doing things the way we want to do them um because with 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 that kind of indie spirit comes uh you know your own rules but um <laughs> we're kind of essentially because we've got flashbacks and we've got present day and present day stuff um we're basically doing the flashbacks first and then we're going to move on to like the really gnarly horror stuff in november and we're using that as like an opportunity to raise more money raise more attention all that kind of stuff and keep those diy punk rock vibes going as well but luckily it's like quite a lot of like relationship stuff and you know that way we won't have to use glycerin to make them look sweaty they'll just naturally look sweaty <laughs> well I, I will say too last night because part of the whole film revolves around um one of the actor one of the the, the characters had a past as a, a sort of like punk rocker and so like she has all these pictures all over her flat of her like when she was in a band going out getting in trouble drinking a lot um, so, uh, part of what we've been doing over the last two weeks is taking, um, actors out on the town and just getting photos of them, like doing debaucherous things, shall we say. Um, and yesterday was during the hottest day in recorded history in the UK. And it was just like, yeah, we're going to, we're, well, at least they'll look sweaty and kind of like fucked up because, you know. Uh, and we don't have to do any production design on it, but it was just like, it, we, we couldn't have picked a worse day to try and do it on. Yeah, this is true. But at the same time, like, you know, we're, we're with Georgia and Spirit because, you know, you were just saying, like, basically it's hotter over there than it than it is here. So, you know, I'm not sure. I've never been to England before, so I, I don't know what the humidity is like there during the heat like this. But down in Georgia, it is a literal swamp. Like, you walk out and it's like breathing in soup. It is... Oh, God miserable but enough about the georgia heat i kind of want to talk a little bit we've already discussed that you guys are rolling into shooting for kill your lover in august but each of you have had an extensive career in the film industry thus far so for our audience and myself so that we can get to know you a little bit better and and obviously to ask the obligatory interview question how did you guys get into filmmaking um well i you know it's that kind of like wide-eyed story of, you know, I was uh, 11 years old and, you know, my father used to show me John Wayne movies. He was like really like obsessed with John Wayne. And so uh, we watched The Searchers when I was 11 years old. And um, I just was like, really like, my mind was blown by it because it was like, I was so used to the idea of like John Wayne playing the hero. And ostensibly he is, you know, he's the lead character, he's the anti-hero of the film. But I just remember my dad saying like, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, The Searchers is about um, two men who are looking for uh, the kidnapped niece of John Wayne. Um, and my, uh, he was, they were kidnapped by Comanches. And I remember my dad just being like, you know why John Wayne wants to find them? I was like, because he wants to rescue them. And he's like, no, he wants to kill them because he hates the idea that they're, the Coman that they're with the Comanches. Like, he, he sees it as poisonous. He's, it's, he's, he's a violent racist. The film is about 
you know, the poisonous elements of racism in America. And I was just kind of like, it was just like, in, as a kid, just like who just like, my favorite movie was like Mighty Ducks. I was like, <laughs> movies can do that. Movies can be that complicated and crazy and dark and deal with horrible people and have like anti-heroes as your main sort of like protagonists and just kind of blew my mind. And then, you know, I, I started getting really into horror when I was a teenager, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing was you know, a big thing for me. Um, Literally has a tattoo of it. Yeah, like you if can't you, see it right now. But we're going to show it to Cayman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Yeah, there we go. Hey. I want a I Hollywood chainsaw hooker tattoo with just oh, a beautiful portrait of Linnea Quigley. That's my goal. Wow. Oh, I was actually saying, because one of the actresses in our film, she's like been in all of these sort of low budget things. She's kind of like trying to do a bit of a, a scream queen thing. And I was mm. saying to her, she's basically the modern Linnea Quigley. She is. Hell um, yeah. It's a huge compliment. Yeah. Well, that so is a massive have, compliment. Yeah. But I'll it is. Well, later. she's she's in that. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, The new story about that Winnie the Pooh oh, yeah. slasher movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And one oh, of my favorite. She is. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And our, so she our gets. Special effects makeup artist is on that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That so, is incredible. So we're siphoning. We're but siphoning off from them. We're, 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 we're jumping around. Sorry. We're, we're, we're messing yeah, with yeah, your no, order here. But, no, no, but anyway, I. You're fine. Yeah, I so I got, I got very into horror. And then weirdly, I spent a lot of my 20s trying to make comedy and sort of like serious drama. And then. I was kind of like, why don't I just make horror? I love horror. I think horror always seemed very daunting because I had so much respect for the medium. And, you know, I like John Carpenter is like one of my favorite directors of all time. And I just sort of thought like, you can't do horror unless you can like put the work in to like, you know, put in the the lighting, the effects, you know, the 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 real kind of like power of the visual. So I, I felt like I needed to build up to the point where I could actually do that. Um, and then, yeah, made Wretch, which was kind of like my first ever horror short and that did really well and and um yeah i'm obviously missing out the fact that you know i'm i met a wonderful woman who i married and who helped you produce that, you a wonderful creature a wonderful creature yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and uh well and this might be a good point to, to segue, segue into segue into your story he made wretched the rest is history wait mm -hmm. no we're writing history um but yeah no we we've basically been like I came uh, filmmaking via acting I guess is the best way I would say it because I didn't I think it just didn't occur to me that I could make films so I was like I'm gonna be an actor and I'll be in the films and then you hit the industry and you're like oh my god this is not what I thought it was gonna be okay uh I can't just be Laura Dern in Jurassic Park um like that uh you know more Maybe, maybe in future, we'll see. Mm. But uh, I was like obsessed with like tension driven scenes. Like I know that Lost World isn't like everyone's favorite film or anything, but I love that caravan scene where they're hanging off mm. the edge and like the glass is cracking and it's just yeah. so well made. And I was just like, I remember literally talking to my dad about wanting to be an actor and just picturing that scene. It was just playing on a loop over and over in my head. Um, Cause I was like, I was like, I want that. But the thing is like, I think that's the beauty of it is like, I still act in things, but I I, I would prefer to be in stuff I wanna be in rather than feeling like desperate. And I've done all of that, like it's fine. You know, I tried it, but I, I like creating um, as much as I like being in stuff. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, and I'd say like a heavy influence of like anime and manga as well growing up, just like not actually realizing I liked horror until I met Kia and he was like, I don't think you understand the whole spectrum of horror. And that like horror has essentially been deemed or was like put under the name of thriller, 
like especially during my generation that was like a sexy word for horror well, especially growing up in the 90s like growing up in yeah. the 90s was just like such a, a a weird dull time for horror and like even like the big horror films you know were obviously things like you know scream and the whole cycle of like the teens in pg-13 horror movies with like no gore or mm. you know boobs or anything and it was just kind of like we need more boobs guys and you know and that's why you know when you kind of saying that <laughs> so that's that's kind of when like say like you know the, the the real splatter stuff like that was the thing is like i'm i met neil marshall and i was just kind of said to him i was like your whole like generation like changed my life like you know like when like you know dog soldiers and cabin fever and um you know fever. saw and these kind of like more extreme like horror films came yeah. out kind of that mid 2000s kind of like era that was kind of like that just kind of like changed my whole like my whole life that was when i sort of really yeah, started yeah. getting into horror and you really like music videos and stuff as well yeah. like here's you know basically shot over 100 music videos which is insane um yeah. but yeah just like run and gun diy like yeah. that's been our vibe for a long time but like we basically we met almost a decade ago now and we've been making films together for eight years um but before that he went to film school so i learned a lot from him we did like those 48 hour challenges and just ended up winning a couple of them yeah as well like which i wasn't expecting at all and then i was like oh i like this and then from there we were kind of like we've just sort of grown into where we are now but i think the thing is like we love we love horror so much and like we're so happy to be because you know when people make horror and they don't really want to make horror they just they're making horror to make something but they actually want to make a drama that's yeah. not us um but you know it's important to say that we love genre in general like i love action movies i love sci-fi as well like it's just like any sort of mishmash of the above mm. like makes me super happy yeah no i totally get it and i think too i think it's very important to kind of like address the elements that that a lot of horror in real life is just drama and the the romanticism between both of those things and their connection is very important. And it is something that comes across in your short films. Um, specifically, here I was watching Portrait. Um, mm. And if so, I guess to kind of explain, like here, would you would you like to kind of explain the premise behind the film? Yeah, so Portrait is about uh, a woman who's in uh, doing a photo shoot with a photographer who is very um being very pushy and sort of also being a bit aggressive in terms of his sexual advances and um it's intercut with um you know uh you know models essentially talking about their experiences with um with sort of like uh photographers who've kind of like with a photographer who's acted inappropriately. Um, and it's a combination of um, interviews that I did with real models that is then sort of put into a script that's said by actors. Um, and it's sort of a thriller in the sense that um, basically what she's trying to do is she's trying to um, film this photo session so that she can gain evidence on him for his inappropriate behavior that he's been doing. And it's it's really interesting because you know, there's so many people who've watched our like horror stuff and they're like, portrait makes me way more uncomfortable than anything mm -hmm. in that. There's, <laughs> no, there's no, there's no gore. There's no nudity. Yeah. Like even actually like the elements of it that are like him being pushy or exploitative, they're not like shown in a particularly, you know, it's not yeah. like there's a rape scene or anything like that. But I think the, the idea behind it was that um, we wanted to create like the subjective experience of mm -hmm. being 
that person in that scenario where you're feeling under pressure and being made uncomfortable. And I think, you know, and I think that is essentially what horror often is. Horror is mm -hmm. about trying to create a visceral experience yeah. for the viewer. Well, and the thing is something we've talked a lot about as well is that not all abuse is physical. Um, and that so sure. much can be done through coercion, psychological manipulation, gaslighting. And so it's like, yeah, it's it's difficult to show that sometimes because I think there are a lot of tropes of like rape is the obviously the one that people go to a lot. And it's not to say that it doesn't have its, you know, narrative uses, but like in this particular instance, we, we really wanted to show, we go for like the greys a lot. Mm. We're not like, oh, black and white. It's a, often a little bit of the wishy-washy, well, not wishy-washy, mm. but mixed and matched. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily land with everyone, but that's okay. When I always say too, like there's a version of portrait we could have made that was far more kind of like, rah, rah, you go girl, girl boss. She walks away in slow motion to this is my fight song and playing the over the background. The police show up and go, you man, you're going to prison for being a bad man. You know, it's just like, but it's just, it's pointless. I think it's more interesting to really sort of like, and one of the things I found really interesting when I was interviewing the women um, was a lot of times they were very dismissive. It wasn't a case of like, I'm deeply traumatized and this has ruined my life. It's more like, guy was a fucking asshole. I just really hated the experience. I just think he shouldn't be working with people. He's the fucking dick, you know? It wasn't like, it was a very different from what you would necessarily expect a lot of the time with the treatment of this kind of subject matter. It's also mm -hmm. kind of a defense mechanism though, I will say, sure. um, you know, but yeah, it's like, it works. Um, it, yeah, it was, so I'm watching the film last night and I'm like, this is absolutely terrifying. Mm. And that's coming from the perspective of a man who doesn't have to deal with, with stuff like that in my day-to-day -day life. But, you know, I have a fiance, I have a little sister, a mother, I have friends there, or just even I know people and there are people around me all the time that I've maybe never shared a word with, but they exist just like I exist. And just watching that was deeply unsettling and very terrifying. And so I think it is interesting and, and I want to talk about Wretch in a minute and kind of discuss more, but like that's still, it feels in the same vein where the drama is the human connection. And I think portrait really portrays that. And it is terror, absolutely terrifying um, and eye opening and definitely something I think people should have, should see, because I think it definitely asks questions and makes you think a little bit harder than just, like you said, the raw, raw moment at the end, something like, the French film revenge where it's like, yeah, she gets her revenge at the end of the film, but that doesn't happen in real life. And so I've, you know, I've heard female directors before say that it is cathartic because in real life, you don't get the revenge. You don't get the satisfaction of a, maybe not a happy ending, but an ending that someone gets punished. So I do, I do appreciate the angle you took there. And I think it's very interesting. Now moving on to wretch. Now this is actually how I got connected with you guys. Wretch is fucking incredible. It is arguably one of my favorite short films because it is just, I don't even know how to put it into words. Like it is just really fucking good and something that I like to share with people. Now, when, and this is something that's always been on my mind because the film itself is incredibly frenetic. The editing is fast paced. There's a lot of cuts. It's It both draws your eyes and ears into it into a chaotic scene of someone who whom the audience believes is either possessed by a demon or potentially having a seizure. There's a lot of questions left up in the air, but in regards to something like that, for lack of a better word, uh, frenzied, one might say, 
Uh, how do you edit a film like that where there are so many cuts and it's so fast paced? Well, I think, I think part of it comes from the background of doing music videos. And I will say that one of my, one of the people that I, you know, draw a lot of inspiration from and like one of my favorite directors of all time is, is Tony Scott. And one of the things that I always find really fascinating about Tony Scott's work is that, you know, I know on a lot of his films, he'll have like five cameras going at once. And like one of those cameras will literally be like just doing like hard pivots or zooms in or just like it's there just to capture random stuff and see. And it's like, you know, they might get an entire day's of, of just completely worthless gibberish, but they'll get like occasionally just like the perfect moment. And I think like, so I, I kind of approach something like Wretch with that, with the idea of like, especially that transformation scene that you're not going to be able to just get something in masters that you're kind of looking to get moments or weird things that you can use to like build it up. And then, I mean, the, the thing that I'll say about Wretch more than anything is especially when it comes to that, that sequence is like, I can build the sequence in a way that looks, cause I, I edited it. Um, so it's like, I can build the sequence through kind of um, a lot of, you know, uh, what I think will all sort of like fit together, but you know, it's amazing what a difference sound design makes. And, you know, and that film is like, I would say like at least 75 to 80% sound mm -hmm. in terms of how effective it is. And actually, the person who's really responsible for that is Alex because Alex kind of oversaw the post-production sound on it. Cause like we, we have a kind of funny way of working in a lot of ways is that um, I will do a lot of the heavy lifting in the first part, at least in the cases of say wretch and portrait, I'll do a lot of the heavy lifting. Like I wrote the scripts and you know, Alex obviously gave some notes on it. Um, and then we sort of like tag team producing, casting, all that sort of stuff. And then um, Alex on the day does a lot of like onset, like line producing. I, you know, was directing those two. And then when we got to post, I basically did my assembly cut. And then Alex just comes in, gives me notes and like, like pages and pages and pages of notes. Like this is too long. You hold on this moment too long. Do we have a better take of this? Cause this one, there's a bit soft focus there. Um, and then I, we go through them bit by bit and I like a petulant asshole go, no, no, it's perfect. What are you talking about? No, I, I edit it. It's, it's, that's how, that's the way I wanted it. That's, that's, it's always supposed to be like always that. Intended. And then I go away for a couple of days and then I sit down at the laptop and I start just like looking through it and um, I, um, and uh, I go, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll try this one just to say I did it. And then I try it and I'm like, okay, that does look better. And then I, and then I do this thing and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then I find one that where I'm right. And I go like, ha, I, I, got my, I got my one. But then by the end of it, normally pretty much made all the changes that she's asked. And then basically I after- I with an iron fist. And then basically after that, I kind of turned the, sh the, the, the film over to you and you were the one who worked with our, mainly worked with a post-production sound designer. Um, yeah, designer and mixer on this one was Natasha Haycox and like she just did such a brilliant job with it and you can really tell that she loves horror and she actually ended up winning a best sound design um, award as well at Underwire Film Festival which is like now BAFTA qualifying I don't know if yeah how much that tracks in like Amer America but it's like Oscar qualifying but like yeah. for Britain if that makes sense. Um, oh great. no, yeah, BAFTA. But we we know a lot about BAFTA here. I'm, I'm sure you do. It's like, no <laughs> like I don't know anymore. Um, but yeah, no, like such a great collaboration. She did also win us. a BAFTA. She did yeah. win an actual like big like old a TV, BAFTA. A TV for BAFTA. TV. Yeah. Uh, she worked on 
a very British scandal. Um, yeah, mm. she's just an absolute powerhouse, and I have nothing but respect for her. She she's been on like most of our films. She mm. worked on. She actually did the mix on Portrait, um, and then uh, she helped us design and mix for our segment in Isolation as well. So, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. All right, so I kind of want to piggyback off of something you said. We established earlier in the conversation that the two of you are married. Yeah. Mm. And you, you know, as someone, I'm like, I, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to STC, but with creating STC, there are a lot of things that I refuse to acknowledge could be better. <laughs> with that being notes, said then. i'll give you some please notes. yeah one of them being get your guest name correct oh. <laughs> fucking idiot uh, <laughs> so one of the things that that i kind of want to just touch on briefly if you don't mind how is that working together as a married couple you're both creating artwork both together and separately at times is there how is the synergy work there is this something where you feel like you know that it works, you work better as a team, or is it something where it's like, yes, we both know our own respective roles and we work best kind of doing those things? Like, how do you guys come together to make a, a picture as a unit? I would say, like, basically, we've directed individually, but always kind of worked across each other's stuff. And then the main, we actually, the very first thing we made together, we co directed, which was the 48 hour. And yeah. even then, like, we, a kind we kind of did what we're planning on doing with kill your lover as well now i know so much more than i did then but this was like eight years ago and it was my first film so i kind of did the dramaturgy like directing the actors kind of thing so when we're on set for kill your lover mm. we're planning on essentially splitting up essentially as directors so that i'm the sort of voice of reason for actors and they can come to me and talk about backstory and all that kind of stuff and kia will look after the dp and like talk to him but essentially making sure that like we ahead of time are aligning on what we want so that we don't really need to like talk to each other on set as much anymore like we storyboard together we talk everything through together we know what the actors are meant to be doing all of that sort of aligning ahead of time and then so that once on, we're on set there's no clashes basically um but I mean, yeah i mean you know overall like we i think we've just found a real balance without really necessarily looking for it. And I don't think it would necessarily work for everyone, but I love a framework and Kia's great at providing a framework. So mm -hmm. even when you're writing a script, like you're like, okay, here's the structure and I can see it very clearly. And I'm like, oh, well, what if we fleshed it out with this and what we fleshed it out with that yeah. and doing like script editing bits. Um, I would say it's kind of like I come in with the big chisel and I just, knock yeah. everything I, I i knock the big block into like a shape and then alex comes and just starts like polishing it and chiseling it and just sort of putting like putting it putting putting the details in and i think like because i mean it's like you know i'll be perfectly honest i'm the person who's like terrible at caring about characters backstories or mm -hmm. you know kind of like getting into the details of a lot of like and even like we were having this really interesting conversation with the actors when we were doing a rehearsal a couple of weeks ago where there's the first where we, we have a flashback where it's the first scene where the two uh meet and there's a point at the beginning where she just comes out of the room because it, it transitions into a flashback she comes out of the room and he's just standing in her living room looking at this wall of pictures and for me i'm just sitting there going like as a as a you know someone who's thinking visually i'm like oh that's really interesting for somebody to just walk out and there's this person sort of standing there with this big wall of pictures around them 
And then uh, the actors kind of went, isn't it a bit weird? He's like snooping around our house at night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that is kind of weird. And I was just like, I didn't even think about it. But then, you know, we had the conversation. We were like, okay, well, what's her reaction to this? What's the logic of why he's doing it? And then, you know, as we talked about it, we could then work it into the scene of why he's doing this, how this, and, and it's, and that's not, and that's my problem. A lot of times it's, 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 I think in things in like a much more tactile, purely, you know, immediate fashion. And then you oftentimes are good at giving a little bit more depth and, you know, fleshing things out a bit more. And that being said, you know, it's like, it's all about confidence. And like, I'm, because of the work that we've done, I'm now starting to write my own feet, like my very first feature, whereas Kia's written like three, three and a half, almost four. Um, but like a lot of feature scripts at this point. And I was like, maybe I should give it a go. So it's like, I'm, I'm looking to like do more of that structure stuff. But uh, this is what's working for us at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, Alex. Now you have an upcoming short film coming out called Sucker. I do. Now I've seen the trailer. Very excited. <laughs> it's got, there's moments where it feels like it, there's, it's inspired maybe thematically with some feelings of like wretch. Uh, also a little bit of James Gunn slither thrown in, mm -hmm. um, very body, well, maybe not body. It is body horror. Yeah. It still feels <laughs> body horror just from <laughs> the trailer. Now, keep in mind, I haven't seen the film, but like in terms of doing this film, like thematically with storytelling, and that's something that I think you guys do really well is like using the themes and the atmosphere to move it along. Like, how does that play into a film like uh, sucker for you? me i mean basically the origin of it is kind of weird um and then i only realized in retrospect where it had come from um it's really interesting i think with wretch like a lot of people read it's like a rorschach test basically of like what your own personal fears are and i feel like that can often happen with that kind of so if you're not explicit about what a film means I'm getting kids, kids looking at me, kids already going like, you're getting off topic, what is going on? Um, but like with Sucker, I think I really wanted to do a sibling relationship and talk about like, well, to dip into the theme of like codependency and stuff like that. And um, I remember talking to my friend who the film's actually dedicated to because he sadly passed away from cancer last year. Um, and I remember him sort of reading the script and saying, this is mad because it, it reads so much to me as my cancer, basically. And I was like, oh, I really see that. And he gave me these really great notes um, that ended up making it more than just a jump scare movie uh, and made it more of a death, birth, rebirth type situation, which I'm really excited for people to see. When I think that's kind of like we're very, you know, we're very into set pieces, tension building, all of these things that I think sometimes people, especially in the low budget horror sphere, really miss because it's, you know, they just get um, a little bit too enamored with the, just the, I suppose, just the, 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 the more tactile or the more just kind of um, fanny kind of like side of things where it's just like, oh, it's a guy with a knife. And you're kind of like, okay, but what makes the guy with the knife interesting? You know, how mm. do you build the tension of the guy with the knife? How do you get the good kill? How do you really emphasize the effect? And I think that's kind of like, so especially with Sucker, it's kind of like really about sort of like building those sort of like set pieces. You said fanny. 
He said definitely, Fanny. You definitely said Fanny, <laughs> and we're definitely leaving that in. It's um, it's yeah. yeah I'm, 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 I'm not gonna deny it. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good word for it, and that was like I was you know. I just had to point it out yeah. because I'm a dick. I thought you were giving me a look like I was like, you were like, that's you, you're not describing the film at all correctly. Not at all. No, I was just I was ready to laugh at you. That's my job. But, no, but, of my job. but I think I think the important thing to say with uh Sucker is that it has a giant practical effect because uh -huh. we do, you know, love practical effects. Um, so kind of like there is there is a genuine sucker. Yes. Um it lives in our closet now. It does live in our closet and She's she's going to go on tour with me when we go to the festivals. So I'm very excited to Hell yeah. get out and about. It's about do they do pounds in America? Pounds. Pounds yeah, or pounds. kilos? Sorry, I was they do pounds. I'm European. I grew up in Switzerland. It's weird. Um, so it's like about five pounds. It's like five pounds heavy. It's like, a, like a neck rest that you yeah, take like on an airplane. Yeah, but like heavy as hell. Oh, and like, shit. Yeah, there's like well, some twisting and contorting. Well, actually, the funniest thing about it. Our actress is brilliant. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing about it is like literally the actress who had to wear it, um, she wore it for like two days on set, just like all day, didn't complain. Like she loved it. Like she even like told us like well, later she was on. Stroke, literally, I catch her like stroking it. Yeah, she, no she, one would be watching. She'd just be like, she, what are you doing? Because she's like, <laughs> she's a big horror fan. Like yeah, uh, name's Annie Knox and just like lovely person. Um, and she... Um, yeah, but she basically told us afterwards that she was like, "Oh yeah, I feel like I've, I feel like I lost my friend. I have like phantom, <laughs> yeah, phantom, yeah, phantom, phantom leech syndrome." Yeah, yeah, and and she was, but it was like that thing of like, you know, I, I hadn't ever picked it up, so I wasn't even like thinking about it. And then when we on the last day after she'd taken off, when I had to pick it up to take it home, I was like, "Like fuck, this thing's fucking heavy." She was wearing this for like <laughs> two days and didn't really strong neck muscles. Now, does the does the sucker have a name? Did you guys name it like yes. a pet? Well, there's multiple oh, suckers because they come in different. They, there's a life cycle, so they have different um, ages. It's like, oh, came in so it's like so it's like it's uh, like like Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard, but it's a soul sucking kind leech. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But kind of the other way around. But you'll just have to wait. Oh, I'm um, I'm just super excited to see it. So uh, the big one's name is Aunt Bertha, um, and we have two baby versions yeah. uh one of them is called timmy and the other one's called tim because there's only half of him because he comes out of an exit wound at one point <laughs> that's so, so cool yeah. i feel like we're getting on-air spoilers right no. now ooh. a little well, bit but ooh. <laughs> well it's just when enticing you, anymore. When, you see, when you see it you'll be like oh i get it now but like out of context yeah. you're like what the hell what the hell is going on Actually, awesome. well, I'm gonna grab Timmy. Okay, go for it. Um, so Cayman yeah. can see it, but no one else can. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That's no, she fantastic. she shows she shows uh, these to everyone who comes to our our flat. So you know. So basically, it's like you're it's it's like you're just visiting us in our flat. So exactly. you get to you get to see. I love it. it. Oh, that is oh oh okay yeah this definitely oh my boy so imagine. Oh, this, but like what like five or six times as big oh, with, so, so much bigger with like tendrils coming out of it Ooh, ooh, you know i forgot i was uh it was uh follow horror obviously and there was i forgot who i think it was josh stolberg who is one of the writers for spiral and he does like a bunch of horror films and mm. he was like yeah i'm on set and he goes uh we had to stop shooting for an hour because our cameraman 
got sick and started throwing up because the gore was so realistic. And I was like, this is the kind of stuff that makes me get even more excited for whatever is going to come out soon. So like, yes, I'm hoping that we're tantalizing the audience by me gagging over here by seeing this leech. Well, 100%. And he just wants to be your friend. When you know, you know, I'm sure you're like me too. If somebody tells you like something's like the most fucked up thing ever, you're like, I have to see that thing right now. It's like, so it's like, I remember like when we were like, when we were at Fright Fest last year with Isolation, um, the sadness was the closing night film. And I was like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta see that now. Oh boy. That movie is, is intense. and then it was, yeah, I had a conversation with Rob afterwards and it was just really funny because I was like, I was like, dude, you made like, like one of the only like true like exploitation films that I've seen in like a long time. And he just, his, his things, define exploitation. And then I was like, <laughs> did I offend him? I was saying it as a compliment. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. Yeah, That's no, awesome. It's crazy. All right. So moving on, and this is the the crux of the conversation, something that I really want to get into with you guys and the big reason that you're here. And well, outside of me just enjoying your guys' work, which is also true. Uh, but it's that you're about to start shooting your upcoming film, Kill Your Lover. And to quote your Greenlit page, which I will be including a link to the Greenlit page in the description of the episode. So everyone, please go there, donate, help them get to the you know, help them just give money and to help this movie get off the ground, but it will be there. But to quote the Greenlit page, it says, picture the heartbreaking drama of Blue Valentine on a collision course with the intense body horror of The Fly, which honestly, after this conversation sounds right up your alley and right up my alley, but I want to explore a little bit more of this with you. We've addressed the connection with body horror, but how do you think that that ties into a dramatic love story? Well, I think, you know, I I think like there's a lot of ways that people kind of don't value the way in which, you know, serious drama can also work within like visceral horror, you know, and even like, you know, like, because the thing is, we, we used Blue Valentine and The Fly because they're very sort of like big, you know, sort of like they're they're more well known things. But it's like, if you look at, say, obviously, Possession, um, you know, from 1981, that's a big, you know, sort of like touchstone for us as is like Titan, you know, it's like, there's, there's a lot of realms in which you can really sort of like, I mean, the French are really good at it. It's just kind of like pushing that notion of both like extreme violence um, with kind of like these really like intense human drama at the same time. Well, and one of the reasons that we wanted to send you portrait as well is because we, for anyone who knows our work, we often say, hey, it's Blue Valentine meets The Fly, but if you know our work, it's Portrait meets Wretch. Because Portrait has drama in it, but it's very tense. It's very, uh, like, visceral and heightened. And when it comes to, like, a romantic relationship, I think that's why we were, like, so gung-ho about making it a punk rock edge rather than it... What happens a lot can be, like, that more kitchen sinky you know uh just british melodrama like people who were like upper upper middle class being like oh darling i just don't like the way you make my tea anymore you know that kind of thing downtown downtown abbey is what i'm hearing right now (laughs) so just like a certain like vibe and like you know we were just like there's so many more interesting facets to relationships that we can dig Mm. into so there's like 
bits of our relationship in there, bits of, you know, dysfunctional rela relationships that we've witnessed in our like friendship groups. It's an amalgamation of a lot of things, but it is definitely something you see around the four or five year mark where people have been together for a while and they're like, do we push on through or do we stop now? And like, what, and what does that mean? And what does it do to you? Like both physically and psychologically. Well, and I think one of the big things for us too, is that um, the, our, the thing we keep saying is that within the film is like, obviously, so the concept of the film is that um, essentially there these, there's this couple who've been together for a number of years at this point and the relationship just isn't working out. And, um, the uh, Dakota, who's the the woman in the couple, she wants to break things off, and so she's trying to psych herself up to actually break up with um, Axel, her boyfriend. But the more she tries to break up with him, the more he starts slowly transforming into a weird, toxic creature. Um, and it, the big thing that we kind of like tried to view this as is. It's not that Axel is a monster. It's not that he's done anything particularly wrong. It's just that these two people are inherently not suited for each other. They should never have been together. And it's actually the yeah. relationship that's the bad guy. And the only reason that Dakota is in the right is because Dakota is the one who recognizes that the relationship just isn't working and won't work. Won't work. But we jump backwards. But the reason we cite Blue Valentine is because we jump backwards and forwards in time. So we see how the relationship starts and how they got into it for the wrong reasons and how they slowly start to devolve, you know, and, and lose touch with each other over time. Yeah. That's incredible. Now, Kill Your Lover is your first feature length production that you'll be releasing from the Switchblade Cinema label, which we've talked off air a little bit about the name, which I think is awesome, but I know we'll for sure get to this in a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, but what sort of challenges do you feel like you face moving from the short film format to moving to a full feature length film? Well, I think, I think one of the things for us is that, I mean, I think certainly something we've had when we've talked to producers and, um, and um, developers is that we have this incredibly visceral style of filmmaking that's very assertive and kinetic and intense and that's one thing if say like you know wretch is you know just over four minutes portrait is about 11 minutes and um sucker is eight minutes and even our segment for isolation is i think 13. so it's like it's a pace that's very easy to maintain when you are uh when you're making a short film that has a kind of propulsive you know, sort of narrative, you know, sort of flow to it because everything in, in say, Wretch is just happening immediately. It's, you know, really just like right yeah, to the point, you know, whereas like something like, you know, a feature requires a little bit of a different pace, a little bit more complexity in terms of how you organize the scenes and how you move through things. And it was interesting because I was like, I was watching um, this, this sound really random. I was watching the, uh, the new FX show that's on Hulu. Um, uh, it hasn't come out in the UK yet, but it's uh, the bear where yeah. um, basically like the first episode is just like the most intensely kinetically edited and shot thing. And it's sure. like so exciting. And it's the sort of thing I love. But I was just like, how do you maintain this over like eight episodes? And then as the show goes on, you see it starts to have a slightly calmer pace. It starts to 
change up its mood as it starts to elongate scenes, get into more drama. And I think that's kind of like what we're really trying to approach this as, is being able to take some of the visceral elements from our shorts, but then also learn how to give it a slightly more smoother, dramatic feel. Yeah. And like from a practical standpoint, I mean, the funny thing is like we've come from a want to do long form content in the first place anyway. So we mm -hmm. bo both had to we've both had a short each basically yeah. that you would you could describe as this is a feature concept in a short film. And, you know, basically because of those reasons, it doesn't quite work as a short. And so we got really good at making shorts. And so now we're kind of returning to what we wanted to do in the first place. So it's like that thing where you'll go into meetings and they'll say, oh, well, your shorts are great, but we don't know if you can make a feature. Sure. Exactly for the reasons that Kia was just talking about. So that's exactly why we're going independent with this. We're going DIY because at this point, we're just kind of like, yeah, okay, we could go into development and we want to go into development with people to like make something for like a bigger amount and all that kind of stuff and really hit it home. But we do feel like we need to prove that we know what we're talking about as well. Well, and it was really interesting because I we we recently went to uh, a screening that was put on um, at the Prince Charles mm -hmm. in London, um, which is like a great kind of like repertory theater That's here. The um, and um, it was put on by Paul McAvoy, Fright Fest, and uh, it was a double feature of um, The Endless and Spring uh, by uh, Benson and Moorhead. Yeah, um, fantastic films. Who, you know, obviously I'm just like, a big, big fan of. And, um, you know, one of the things they had a and a with them afterwards. And one of the things that um, Justin said, which I just thought was really, really interesting is he was like, people will tell you to be more commercial. But the problem is that if you're making something on a low budget, you like there's there's commercial things that, you know, have just like way more resources and are going to do it better. And they can go get the better version of that. And the marketing. You're, yeah. You're better off being more idiosyncratic, being more unique, because even if it's not something where people are going to go, hey, this will make lots of money. Ultimately, you're going to be able to develop more of a following. You're going to be able, people are going to be more interested in it. And in the long run, it suits you better as a director to show off like what it is that you're interested in and what it is that you can do. And I think that was something we really took a lot of like, inspiration from you know especially you know with their kind of like their very sort of unique brand of you know lo-fi sci-fi and we were like we want to apply some of that to our own brand of kind of like dramatic body horror yeah it felt like we were kind of on the right track because sometimes it can be very easy to second guess yourself and I think that's probably mm -hmm. to sort of come back to what you were asking in your question um is like that's half of the battle is like not second guessing yourself while you're doing everything because in the run up to this August shoot, for instance, it's like a four day shoot with like a, an extra day for like EPK photo stuff, which is again, something we've learned so much more about recently is marketing, marketing, marketing. We're good at making things, but we need to sell the thing as well. And that's not everyone's favorite topic in the world, especially when you're a creative, but it's super important. Um, but yeah, I think I've built it up in my head so much. And then the other day I was just like, why am I getting so like aggy about this? Like. It, this is like a longer short film shoot that will be fine and then we'll do the basically 10 day shoot 11 day shoot in November to like complete it but like I think the thing is it's so much more overarching and so it's easy to kind of go this has to go somewhere I should be looking into distribution now everyone's telling me what to do with it and you want to do it all but you have to take it one step at a time and sometimes I find myself looking at the entire staircase and just going 
ah, okay, what do I do? You know, that kind of thing. But then you bring it right back and you're like, okay, just do one thing at a time. It's going to be fine. And then at least we've got each other, which is well, I think very that's, useful. I do think that that's a, that's a big sort of like part of it is that, you know, it always feels like when one of us gets too stressed or starts to feel overwhelmed, the other one can pick up the slack. And, you that's know, awesome. it's like, so it's like basically doing this photo stuff has almost been its own mini production because yeah. it's like, it's such a big theme within the film is all of these photos of her from her past. Mm. So, you know, I meant she was in a band, so I had to create a fake band mm -hmm. for it and like, you know, get all of these um, actresses and models together to pretend to be a punk rock band. The and then band you've ever seen. They, they are like, <laughs> the sexiest band. It's like, it was like that thing of kind of being like, I feel bad now that we're not just making a film about a female punk rock band That's i mean there's still time there's still I time i mean i was like make a prequel just called because the band's called black glove killer so we'll just have to make a prequel called black glove killer well, and i'm definitely That's i'm kind of awesome. obsessed with the um the 80s uh mm -hmm. hardcore punk scene um and also i adore and giallo Oh well, yeah, but that's that's a different. That's I a know different I was taking topic. off topic anyway. Um, but no, but I'm obsessed with the '80s hardcore uh, punk scene, and you know, and so it's like that thing of like that's always been like the music biopic. If I was ever gonna make a music biopic, I'd want to make something about the '80s hardcore punk scene. Um, so it's just like that thing of um, yeah, it's just been kind of like there's been these weird little indulgences. But yes, Alex is right. The film is called Black Glove Killer, and a sort of nod to Jalo and the um, the band. Yes, yeah, the band. The band is called Black Glove Killer. And they have album It's the heat. I blame the heat. We're getting delirious over and, here. <laughs> and we have, they have album titles like uh, Deep Red and Final Girls. Oh, that's awesome. Stuff like that. That's, yeah, yeah, that's I love awesome. That I love the Final Girls one. I was just like, of course you called it Final Girls. Um, but we'll, we'll have <laughs> to, what we'll do is we'll definitely, we'll send you one of the pictures if you like to like send yeah. off with the stuff and then people will have more context. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your guys' time, but I do want to cover once again greenlit will put up the 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 link to it so everyone can go and join in and help donate and help you guys and get cause get the cause going however there are any additional ways that they can reach you or help out with production or anything that you would like to pass along to the audience in terms of how they can assist or get your name out further i mean i'd say we're both really active on instagram yeah um but we're across a lot of yeah, we're across a lot of stuff, but Instagram's mostly good. So if you if you get us if you get the spelling of our names correct, which is always the thing, I think the best one would probably be Switchblade Cinema, because um, then you don't need to worry about mm -hmm. spelling, and then you can kind of find us through that if that makes sense. Um, and then yeah, we're all right on Facebook, and then I'm on Twitter. Kira's and everyone's trying to convert him back to Twitter. I just think I just no, I never hear anyone say a it's good a thing happened on Twitter today. <laughs> it's just like everything's like, oh, you won't believe what Twitter this is saying thing, right now. This good thing happened. Like I, I that said, is true. I came in and I said hi to each other, and this is why we're here. So get on it. Anyway, I'm Alex Austin underscore on Twitter. Um, yeah, and like in general, like yeah, I mean. Green, it's probably the easiest way, but we're really like open books about the production as well. So like yeah. if you want to ask us questions or you have like, I don't know, it's inspired you in some way and you just want to talk about horror movies, like we're always I mean, I always for that. I always love to like I literally met up like because we um we uh went to a meetup with the London Horror Society um a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I met a guy there who I was just like, let's just hang out and talk about Friday the thirteenth movies for like 
when we did, when we, did we literally talked about Friday the 13th movies for like three hours. It was, yeah. it was, um, was it heaven? It was really nice because, you know, it's just that thing sometimes where somebody really wants to, was really ready to just engage you in your kind of like really like nerdy, weird kind of like opinions. We also, we both agreed that five is not as bad as everyone says. Um, I'm trying to remember. Yes, no, yes, no. It's not, it, yes. it's not a oh, six one. is way better than oh, no, no, no. everyone gives it credit for. Like, but I do think people <laughs> shit on five too much. Fair. That's and, okay. And the real, when the real bad guys, Jason goes to hell. That is the worst one by a yes. mile as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I would say. So I'm saying go after the real bad guy. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. That's fair. Well, thank you guys. We do have one last question. It's a question we like to ask all of our guests who come on the show. If you've had to choose one trash cinema film that you want to save, what film would it be? Okay, well, um, my one is uh, a movie from... Well, I love Australian exploitation movies. Exploitation. Uh, so yeah. my, and my favorite one is the Brian Trenchard-Smith classic, uh, Dead End Drive-In. Fuck yes. That is such a fun movie. I got a copy of it with a Diodoto's cut and run. And it's like such a weird double feature pairing, but oh, really, you know, it, I wouldn't recommend watching them back to back because it makes no sense why they would be together. But dead and drive in is an absolute well, classic. It's also like, it's that weird one where you're kind of like, I know that it's the political points it's making are not that deep. But I really appreciate that they've gone that extra mile to do it. And that I extra mile. And eh? I, I also just like Sorry. I I also yeah. just Brian Trenchard Smith had this kind of run from like the late seventies to like the mid eighties before he went to Hollywood to make Leprechaun sequels, where like it was just like an absolute, just like amazing, just sort of like run of like BMX bandits, you know, turkey shoot you know, man from Hong Kong, just absolutely just great movies. But dead end drive in is definitely my favorite. Cause it's actually, it's really stylish and it's really yeah. like well done. And it's like, it's yeah, I just, I just, I just love it. Also it has that really cool jump that it does. And it's just like, you know, where they have like the big truck that just does the mm -hmm. giant jump. Yeah. I think it's like one of the biggest jumps in like history. It is. In, thing. Yeah. And it's very unique. It's very unique for its time as well. Now, Alex, I, yeah. I already know what yours is. <laughs> I mean, we've talked so, at length we've about the whole this. Saga. But the yeah. audience doesn't. So yes. what is a trash cinema film that you would save? So I would go haute tension or in English, high tension. Um, but this is the fun thing that me and Cayman were talking about is that it, it, in the UK, for whatever reason, it's actually called Switchblade Romance. Which is a better title. Which it's is a really cool title. Yeah. A pretty cool title. It's way cooler than High Tension. And yeah, it's so much better. Like, hmm. I mean, it's a little literal translation from yeah. French, but still. Um, and yeah, the, the fun thing with that, I mean, beyond me just loving the film anyway, I love French Extremity. Uh, Titan blew my mind this year as well. Like, it's just the, they, they just go harder i feel somehow yeah. and i feel like they're just we need more of that and yes it's a bit bug nuts uh kind of what was it did you say yeah you were kind of like yeah it's kind of it goes a bit haywire for a bit but who cares um because it's just awesome um but the the story with it is as you might have noticed as switchblade romance is and our production company is called switchblade cinema and when we were trying to come up with a name um we were like oh why don't we like combine combine some things and take switchblade which is just a cool 
name anyway and then put cinema on the end of it yeah 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 that's awesome <laughs> that is absolutely awesome well thank you both kira and alex for coming on today everyone please go find the green hit that link go to the greenlit page go support go find them on instagram go find them on twitter go to facebook if you still have facebook go find <laughs> them follow them and watch what they do because i promise you you will not be uh you'll you'll love it you'll you'll think it's fantastic just like me if I can, if I can just say like one final like pitch to get get you to sure. to go, uh, you know, to is is I personally am always that person who is like when I'm looking at a horror film, I'm kind of like, is this going to have something really fucked up and weird that I'm going to talk to my friends about? And we can guarantee you that we have several things planned in the film that you will literally make you go, wow, that was really fucked up and weird, yes. you know. So that's if you like crazy fucked up horror films. That also yes. have an emotional underpinning. Please go support us. Yes. And well, thank you so much, Cayman, as well for like championing Wretch, championing championing this project. Like we really appreciate it because you know there is no horror without the community. Yeah. Genuinely, I agree. And I think that if that doesn't sell you, then I'm not sure if anything will. But if you've enjoyed the show, please rate, review. And share the hell out of it with your friends, loved ones, and worst of enemies. Honestly, word of mouth is key here. We aren't beggars. Also, fuck Keith. If you're interested in video games, check out our sister podcast, The Spotlight Games Podcast, on all your favorite streaming services. We also have a YouTube channel, so don't be a heathen. Watch this banter about video games there as well. We're also streaming live on Twitch every Tuesday at 8 p.m., so come and check us out. In the meantime, you can follow me at Kid Cayman. You can follow our sister podcast at Spot Games Pod on Twitter and Spotlight Games Pod on Instagram. And if you want to be part of the show, whether it be a guest host or having a movie recommendation, you can reach us at SaveTrashCinema at gmail.com or Save Trash Cinema on all socials. Remember, fight big box office. Save Trash Cinema. Hello. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here today. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. That's cool. I, I gotta I gotta be pedantic though. Uh unfortunately my, my last name is Seawart, not Stuart. Oh shit, really? <laughs> but the intro was amazing. Oh well fuck. I guess I will definitely go fix that in post. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then this is what we'll do. I will fix that in post. I will go back to the but enough about that. Yeah. And then I'll introduce you guys again and then I'll clip this for the very end of the episode so we have a funny moment where we can make fun of me.